It's the Dubai Property Podcast for news, interviews and market trends. And welcome back to another episode of the Dubai Property Podcast, talking real estate around the UAE and available, of course, on Spotify and Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from as we bring you more real estate podcasts with more property news and information right across the UAE every week. And it is a Thursday morning, the 26th day today for October. I hope your week is going well, especially for any of those real estate transactions. And the weekend isn't too far away, which means coming up on Saturday once again, we have the Saturday morning property market update. Mario is going to be here with his team as we take a look back over the last seven days and report on the activity and real estate news from the UAE. Now, Dubai's real estate market has experienced its most significant quarterly price increase in a decade as property demand in the Emirate remains high. This is coming from Value Strat Price Index this morning for Dubai's residential market because it rose by 6.1% in the third quarter. If you're wondering how those villas are going, well, villas and the apartment prices increased by 7.6% and 4.8% respectively. On an annual basis, the VPI increased by 15.1%, with villa and apartment prices up by 19.8% and 11%. So those are some of the the numbers. The growth is driven, of course, by a strong rebound in the property market. And just a reminder, if you'd like to get in contact with us, our email address is Podcast at gmail.com. Well, this morning we are catching up with James Rayleigh, who is a principal at Hydric and Struggles here in Dubai. And a very good morning to you, James. Welcome to the Dubai Property Podcast this morning. Good morning. Lovely to meet you and thank you for having me on the show. Now, that is a pretty interesting name, particularly when it's got the word struggles. How did you come up with that? Hydric was founded about 70 years ago by two gentlemen, uh, one called Hydric and the other and the other struggles. But I, I must admit, some people do, chat, do, do struggle with the name uh, a bit. Now, before we get going, James, just so that everybody knows what it is that you do, because most people will think, oh, I haven't heard of that real estate company, but you're not a real estate company. So just sort of lay that out a little bit for us. Global Executive Search and Leadership Advisory Firm. We're headquartered in the US, listed on NASDAQ, and we work across industry sectors. So, so within that context, my focus is predominantly in the real estate sector. And that's why we've got you on this morning, because the the real estate industry, it can be pretty gruelling for leadership teams working in Dubai especially. And when you look at this region, James, are there any unique challenges in the UA compared to others that leaders may face in other companies? 
Yeah, I mean, I think in the region generally, the the war for talent is is real. Um, the real estate sector is booming, particularly across the the GCC, and therefore the cost for talent and the ability to find top talent uh, is increasingly challenging. And because this is uh, such a, a thriving market, we talk quite a lot about just how many real estate agents are in Dubai especially. It is an oversupplied market, but there's a lot going on. So how how challenging is it somebody comes to you from one of these top real estate companies? We need to turn to you here, James. You need to find us somebody to lead our organisation. How difficult is that in these times that we face? Well, a lot depends on on where they want to look in the organization's context. So sometimes we we will lead a a global search and we'll look all over the world for specific uh, talent that meets their needs, whether that's growth or innovation, uh, for example. But equally, we, we can look across uh, across the region. There are there is good talent there. The challenge for many organizations who are uh, searching is much of the best talent isn't looking. Yeah, that's kind of the point, isn't it? Because if there is somebody that's already in a leadership role that perhaps is not in the real estate game, can they go from one industry into another so long as they can skill themselves up into the job? Yeah, it is possible. And there are some examples of of very senior people in the region where where that's the case. I, I do think that in a CEO role, for example, breadth of experience across real estate is is helpful. Many of the top leaders start as civil engineers or architects, for example. There are people who come in from investment banking uh, or, or more kind of finance backgrounds that do it incredibly well. So it's it can be fairly broad. Because at the end of the day, if it is a sales orientated industry, which real estate is, if you're leading an organisation, then there will be people underneath them, sales managers that will obviously be looking after their big teams. But their role in in many ways is just that whole organisational structure and making sure that people below them are doing what they're supposed to do. And if you're a really good CEO from a, another organisation that is not real estate, I can't see any reason why somebody couldn't go into a top real estate job if you are particularly good with managing people? Yeah, I think you cannot underestimate the importance of leadership in a role like that. Some of these organizations are huge and not all leaders are able to shape culture in a way that will engage and motivate the talent to to be at their best. Um, So there are a whole set of attributes. Sales, of course, is important, but there's an awful lot more going on, uh, understanding the market. What's the latest innovation in in real estate? How can we bring the best architecture to bear and how does that fit the market in in five, ten years when the development is complete? So there's an awful lot, um, an awful lot to be considered when, when selecting top leaders. And are you based in Dubai? I am. I mean, I, I, I'm all over the region all of the time, but Dubai has been my home for the last 16 years now. What do you like the most about living in Dubai? I mean, it's really home. I, I'm very fortunate. I have uh, a lot of my wife's family uh, living around me, but there's so much to do. It's such a safe place to live. In certain pockets of Dubai, that sense of community, and particularly where I live, uh, is absolutely wonderful. So I, I, I expect to be here for a long time to come. 
And the last three years, you must have, like everybody else, just watched in amazement with what is going on, especially around building Dubai. Yeah, I mean, the, the growth is is absolutely extraordinary. Let's hope it continues. Uh, I, I expect that the market may correct at some point in, in the next 12 months, but we'll see. Where are the challenges at the moment for you? I mean, here we are, we're sitting at the end of October almost, tracking towards the end of the year. So are there some challenging times for you trying to fill these uh, senior leadership positions uh, throughout the UAE or is your predominant focus in Dubai itself? And my focus is really across the, the whole of the Middle East, which of course includes Dubai. Given that war for talent, what can we do to make sure that the people that work within our organizations want to be there, uh, that look forward to going into work and aren't interested, frankly, in perhaps earning a little bit more money to, to move somewhere else? And we can see that in some of the largest organizations within Dubai, for example, they're investing a huge amount in becoming well-renowned, well-reputed employers, um, really engaging their people uh, and, and, and working to retain them. There's a big focus on just trying to keep up with the, the pace of change. And Hydrogen Struggles has done a lot of research across the world's fastest growing organizations. We call them super accelerators. And we find what helps them to sustain their growth uh, are four core areas, mobilizing, executing, and transforming with agility, uh, with agility really being uh, the core, and that helps them to adapt and pivot faster than their competitors in the market. So those are some areas where, that we really look for when we're placing leaders at the top. Do you get frustrated? I, I guess you do because you, you kind of advertise and then sometimes it might be quite dry in terms of nothing is there and other times you'll be inundated. I mean, it perhaps would be frustrating if we did advertise, but that's not really what we do. We, we, we typically work to understand what the organization needs. We'll work with the board or the leadership team to really understand that. Uh, and then we'll leverage our existing networks and we'll research across the market to find people. So it's us going to people more than people coming to us. All right. So what if uh, right now there is a CEO that uh, doesn't know of you and, of course, is thinking, well, hang on, you don't know who I am. I need to get in touch with you. What do they do? Well, I mean, they can look me up on uh, on the Hydric and Struggles website. I'm always delighted to speak to, uh, to, to capable leadership. It's more about us going to them. If, if, if they really are a good fit for, for a particular role, then our research teams will find them and, and, and we will certainly get in touch with them. So when it comes to talking to people and assessing them, you know, you got the AI in the background. Uh, does that pose any problems with somebody's application? No, I don't think it, it, it poses any, any problems at all. And, and people's familiarity with AI is often something that we will dig into when we're, when we're assessing people. We have a digital dexterity uh, tool, for example. AI is really taking the world by storm and, and people's familiarity with it, openness to invest in it, um, is probably what's going to be setting apart a lot of the organisations in the region in the coming years. And when we sort of come back to the CEOs, the, the leadership, they've got to kind of be skilled up to a little bit of a, a higher level in some ways when it does come to AI, because you've got to be across this because this is changing at a rapid pace. And, you know, I had a really fascinating conversation with a, with a CEO in Abu Dhabi a, a few months back. 
Uh, and I was asking about AI and a number of other innovations, and 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 this organisation was really investing heavily in that in that space. At one point, not AI, but we were talking about the metaverse, and they are building all sorts of um, developments within the metaverse. And I said, you know, what what is the return on investment for this? He said, well, look, there, there are some elements of of sales uh, and and brand building uh, associated with it. Um, but the opportunity cost is is substantial because if the metaverse really does take on, we'll be ahead of the game because we're investing early. Uh, if it doesn't, then frankly, the cost of us investing it is insignificant by by comparison. So it's 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 that openness to experimenting with these new different types of technology um, that I hope will keep the Middle East really ahead of uh, other parts of the world. Yeah, I think you touch on a, a really important factor. Those that are in there investing right now, the return on investment, so long as it does what they want it to do and all of the development goes in the direction, then yes, I mean, the sky is the limit. All right then, James, well, it sounds like you've got your work cut out for the rest of this year. How busy are you at the start of next year? Yeah, I mean the the industry is 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 booming. It's a it's a really exciting time to be in real estate in the Middle East. So a busy year this year, and uh, it, it seems likely that it'll be a busy year next year as well. All right, well we'll leave it there, James. I'll let you get on with your day. Thank you for carving off a little bit of your morning to talk with us this morning on the Dubai Property Podcast. My pleasure, Craig. Lovely to meet you, and, and thanks for your time. We don't just report on real estate news. We take you to the source of the information. We produce more property podcasts every week than anyone else. We are your trusted guide for all things real estate. They went on sale from, I think it was 18 million dirhams. So huge week for you. I've been talking about this for months and months. And of course, when it finally arrived, it did not disappoint. What tends to happen is that the sort of top 20 companies are given an allocation of tokens. Now, some of these companies may not actually, in this case, have any buyers because not everybody has 18, 19 million dirhams to spend, despite the interest and despite the fact that there were many, many buyers that were wanting to go for it. There were some companies that had tokens uh, but didn't have buyers. The skyline is constantly changing, growing and expanding. The Dubai Property Podcast for all things real estate.